MSW Media. The Daily Beans would like to thank Splendid Spoon for their support. Splendid Spoon delivers delicious plant-based meals and snacks designed to fit your busy schedule instead of taking time out of it. Go to SplendidSpoon.com slash Daily Beans for $50 off your first box when you subscribe to the Breakfast, Lunch, and Reset Plan or the Breakfast, Lunch, Dinner, and Reset Plan. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, April 22nd, 2022. Today, Alex Jones tells the New York Times that he wants to flip for immunity. There's a new January 6th sheriff at the Department of Justice. That guy that assaulted an air conditioning repairman because he was sure he had fake ballots in his truck? Well, the guy who hired him has been indicted. Don Jr. is expected to meet with the 1-6 committee. And fascist Ron DeSantis is going to war with his own constituents. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. It's just about the weekend. I'm very excited. If you hear some weird noises or a weird echo or it just doesn't sound quite the same, I assure you it is today. I am just coming to you from Los Angeles right now. I'm in Hollywood looking right out the window at the Hollywood sign, as a matter of fact. Up here, going to go see a little Randy Rainbow and a little Kathy Griffin tonight at the um, at the Wilshire Bell Theater. And just, you know, doing some headshots, doing some my annual trip to Los Angeles to do all my meetings and get everything out of the way. So that's why things might sound a little bit different in case you're wondering. So we have a lot of news to get to. A lot of news, big news, important news. Sorry, I had to do Pee Wee Herman <laughs> for that. And I, I, I can't wait to tell you about it. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up, big, big news out of the Department of Justice. Of course, leave it to the New York Times to bury the lead again. The headline for this story is Alex Jones reaches out to Justice Department about a January 6th interview. And sure, I guess that's news, despite Alex Jones being a totally untrustworthy witness and likely only leaking this to the New York Times so he can make his donors think he's got the upper hand and he's in control of the narrative when actually he doesn't. And yeah, I guess he could provide some information if that might be important if it leads to reliable witnesses that aren't him or documentary evidence or other important leads that the Department of Justice might not know about. But let's be honest, I doubt there's anything Alex Jones knows that the Department of Justice doesn't, but there might be. Okay, that could be the headline. Or another headline for this story could be badass outside prosecutor brought to D.C. to lead investigatory team dedicated to prosecuting the leaders and organizers of the coup. Because that's in this story, too. And it is completely missing from the headline. I guess it would just be too on the nose. Allow me to read for you. This is from The Times. The federal investigation into efforts to overturn the 2020 election appears to be gaining traction. Appears to be gaining traction, even though we've known for months. Okay. With the Justice Department having brought in a well-regarded new prosecutor to help run the inquiry and a high-profile witness in seeking a deal to provide information. Alex Jones, the host of the conspiracy-driven media outlet InfoWars and a key player in the pro-Trump Stop the Steal movement, is in discussions with the Justice Department about an agreement to detail his role in the rally near the White House last January 6th that preceded the attack on the Capitol. 
Now, there's nothing here that says, says a person familiar with the matter. It's, it's notably missing. Usually right then is where you say, according to people familiar with the matter, according to a source familiar with the matter. So that's not here yet. But they say, they claim Alex Jones is in discussions with the Justice Department. No attribution yet. Continue on. Through his lawyer. There it is. Through his lawyer, Mr. Jones said he has given the government a formal letter conveying his desire to speak to federal prosecutors about January 6th. Do they have the letter? Through his lawyer? Did he really write a letter? Did you see the letter? Let's go on. The lawyer, Norm Pattis, maintains that Mr. Jones has not engaged in any criminal wrongdoing that day, chanting slogans about 77, when he was there chanting slogans about 1776 and helped lead a crowd of Trump supporters in a march to the Capitol. But either way, Norm Pattis, the lawyer, is telling the New York Times that Mr. Jones has told him that he has written a letter to the Justice Department. Anyway, as a condition of being interviewed by federal investigators, Mr. Jones, who's known for his rants about the deep state and its supposed control over national affairs, has requested immunity from prosecution. Okay. Quote, he distrusts the government, Mr. Pattis says. That right there, he distrusts the government, is the message that Alex Jones or his lawyer is trying to get out. While convincing federal prosecutors to grant him immunity could be an uphill climb for Mr. Jones, his discussions with the Justice Department suggest that the investigation into the post-election period could be gathering momentum. I don't really see how they're connected, but whatevs. I'll give this to them. Two weeks ago, another prominent Stop the Steal organizer, Ali Alexander, a close associate of Mr. Jones, revealed he had received a subpoena. This I believe, and it's because the New York Times saw the subpoena. They laid their eyes on it. That that subpoena is seeking information on a broad swath of people, rally planners, members of Congress, others close to the president, anyone connected to political events that took place to the run-up of January 6th. Also not uh, mentioned here are the false slates of electors that they wanted information on and information on anyone who impeded or attempted to impede the electoral count, which includes Donald Trump. Now, any political events in the run-up to January 6th, Mr. Alexander, who marched with Mr. Jones to the Capitol that day, has said that he intends to comply with the subpoena. All right. So to me, this sounds like Alex Jones's lawyer told the New York Times that Alex Jones told him that he wrote a letter to the Department of Justice saying, I want immunity and I'll tell you about January 6th. But, uh, you know, no, nah, I'm not going to show you the letter or anything. So there, there we go. Now, nine paragraphs into the story, buried between two giant ads, by the way, we get this little paragraph. Several months ago, the department quietly took another significant step, adding Thomas Wyndham, a career federal prosecutor from Maryland, to help in the expanded January 6th investigation. And this is according to three people familiar with the matter. Now we've got some other attributions. Finally, I don't know why this didn't go out as a separate story. Several months ago, several months ago, they brought in Wyndham. Mr. Wyndham has been working with officials from the National Security and Criminal Divisions. Let me say that again. National Security and Criminal Division at Maine Justice to determine whether and how to investigate potential criminal activity related to the January 6th attack, other than what took place during the assault. Now, whether and how must be just the reporter's own decision to use those words, because whether 
it's already been determined. You put your fucking eyes on the subpoena to Ellie Alexander. So the weather part is already... Anyway, his work complements two teams. This is a huge story. Wyndham complements two teams led by prosecutors in the Washington U.S. Attorney's Office. They now have two teams. One is focused on charging people for participating in the riot, and one is focused on more complicated conspiracy cases stemming from it, such as seditious conspiracy. And that's the one that we already have a seditious conspiracy case that was brought against the Oath Keepers. And Mr. Wyndham is looking into the more politically fraught question of whether the case can be made related to other efforts to overturn the election, whether a case can be made, a task that could move the investigation closer to Trump and his inner circle. Yes, it's already there. Mr. Alexander's lawyers, that's Ali Alexander, they've been dealing with Mr. Wyndham, for example, in responding to the broad subpoena, seeking information about the pro-Trump rallies and other efforts to keep Mr. Trump in office. Those efforts could extend to issues such as the plan by Trump allies to have seven swing states falsely certify that Trump won. Now, what do you mean could extend to the seven swing state false electors? Because that's in the subpoena. It has extended to that. Okay. And then mail, and they actually said, and then mail those false documents to the National Archives. They put the word mail in there. I thought that was nice because that's mail fraud. However, Mr. Wyndham does not yet have a robust team of prosecutors, leaving unclear how extensive the investigation might become. Now, we just recently heard that there are 131 more prosecutors joining the team for January 6th. I wonder if that's for him. They don't address that here, nor do they mention the 131 prosecutors that are coming on board. Mr. Wyndham was described by former colleagues as diligent, aggressive, capable of handling complex investigations. In his former job, Wyndham prosecuted some high-profile cases in Maryland, among them those involving domestic and international terrorism, public corruption, and national security. Wyndham, for example, helped to secure convictions against a trio of violent members of a white supremacist group called The Base, which had hoped to trigger a race war in the United States. Two of the defendants received lengthy prison sentences. In another case, Mr. Wyndham prosecuted Christopher Hassan, a white nationalist and lieutenant in the U.S. Coast Guard, who plotted to kill journalists, Democratic politicians, professors, Supreme Court justices, and those he described as leftist in general. Mr. Wyndham also charged Tawana P. Gaines, a Maryland lawmaker, with stealing about 22 grand in campaign funds. She pled guilty in 2019 and was later sentenced to six months in prison. Quote, Thomas is a thorough and creative investigator and an experienced trial attorney. That's Robert K. Herr, a former U.S. attorney in Maryland. He's calm under pressure and accustomed to building and trying complex, high-stakes cases. Having tried two cases with him, I know his considerable skill before judges and juries. The rest of the article, you already know, but you can give it a read if you want to. All right, up next, the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol attack is expected to meet with Don Jr. in the coming days, according to sources familiar with the matter, who spoke to ABC News. Trump Jr.'s appearance is voluntary and comes after the committee invited him to speak with their investigators. The panel has not subpoenaed him. As you know, they didn't uh, subpoena Kimberly Guilfoyle or Ivanka. I mean, most of these high-level interviews that they've gotten are voluntary. Trump Jr. would become the latest member of the Trump family to meet with the committee. In recent weeks, the panel interviewed Ivanka, Jared Kushner, both of whom served as senior White House advisors, as we know. An attorney for Trump Jr. did not immediately respond to a request for cocaine. I mean, comment. All right, next up, 
a rat versus the rat. If anyone's ever lived in Orlando, that's what we called working for Disney. You were working for the rat. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has his guns pointed at Disney World. On Thursday, the Republican-held Florida legislature passed a bill seeking to dissolve a special district that allows the Walt Disney Company to act as its own government within the outer limits of Orange and uh, Osceola counties. I'm probably butchering that, and I'm very sorry. Osceola County. The bill passed the state Senate on Wednesday with a vote of 23 to 16 and sailed through the state's House of Representatives 70 to 38. The proposal was first introduced Tuesday by Republican State Senator Jennifer Bradley, but opponents say it's really driven by DeSantis. Widely seen as a contender for the 2024 GOP presidential nomination, he's just been acting like Trump everywhere. Now, of course, he started this public feud with Disney over their denouncement of the Don't Say Gay bill earlier, you know, that limits early education teachings on sexual orientation or gender identity. Now, until recently, there have been no major public discussions about dissolving Disney's long-established special district, which it's occupied now for 55 years, leading opposing senators and other critics of the bill to question its timing and the speed with which it's being pushed through. Yeah, it is exactly directly because of this. State Rep. Randy Fine told CNBC's Squawk Box on Thursday that the bill is not retaliatory. But what Disney kicked the hornet's nest, we looked at the special districts. That is the definition of retaliatory, Randy Fine. Well, it's not retaliatory, but when Disney kicked the hornet's nest, we looked at special districts. <sighs> one thing doesn't lead to the other, but one thing led to the other. <laughs> I'm Randy Fine. Quote, people wanted to deal with the special districts for decades, he said. We've been wanting to do this forever. Disney had the political power to prevent it for decades. What changed is bringing California values to Florida. Y'all the ones that named your city Hollywood. Floridians said, you are a guest. Maybe you don't deserve the special privileges anymore. Really? Floridians said that? Because they're going to bear the brunt of this. Fine says the bill was introduced to even the playing field in Florida for theme park operators. Okay. <laughs> you, we shouldn't give Disney any special treatment in Florida. He noted Disney's competition, Universal, SeaWorld, and Legoland do not have special districts to operate in. Right. That's why the taxpayers have to pay for them. Democrats in the state Senate, though outnumbered, came to the theme park's defense on Wednesday during a special session. The Disney Corporation is being attacked for expressing support for many LGBTQ plus members and employees and customers. That was what State Senator Tina Polsky, a Democrat who represents the 19th district in Florida, during the special session, she said that. Are we really making this enormous decision out of spite? Yes. Yes, they are. Because DeSantis wants to look like Trump so that DeSantis can run for president. And it is an enormous decision. The district in question is the Reedy Creek Improvement District. It was established in 1967 by the Florida legislature so Disney could develop the infrastructure for Walt Disney at no cost to Florida taxpayers. That's why they gave them their own district. You be your own government. You won't have any representatives. You take care of all your buildings and roads and inspections and shit and don't charge the taxpayers for it. It's allowed Disney to build theme parks, hotels, other tourist experiences within the Reedy Creek District with little to no oversight. The company has also become the largest employer of Florida residents in the state. Largest employer and helped the Orlando area become one of the largest hubs for tourism in the United States. Because let's face it, why on the hell else would you go to Orlando? That would be... Disney World's slogan, if I were in charge, really. 
The decades-old legislation also ensured that only the landowners within the district, primarily Walt Disney World, would be responsible for paying the cost of municipal services, such as power, water, roads, and fire protection. For decades, taxpaying residents of Orange and Osella counties have been spared maintenance bills for Disney Park services. They haven't had to pay for this shit. The taxpayers in those two counties, currently, Disney pays taxes to both counties, as well as the Reedy Creek District. If DeSantis signs the bill, Reedy Creek, along with five other special districts established before November 1968, would be dissolved, effective June 1st of next year. Reedy Creek, as a special district, as I said, no representatives in the legislature, in the state legislature, dissolving the district would mean Reedy Creek employees and infrastructure would be absorbed by the local counties, which would then become responsible for all municipal services. The counties would collect the tax revenue Disney currently pays, the Reedy Creek District, but would also be saddled with the district's debts and liabilities. Reedy Creek historically operates at a loss of around $5 million to $10 million each year, according to its fiscal reports. But since Disney can subsidize its own operations with theme park revenue, that debt doesn't have much impact on its bottom line. So you're adding 5 to $10 million of debt to the surrounding counties. Oh, and according to lawmakers, there's around a billion in debt on the balance sheet that taxpayers would become responsible for. Taxpayers, should the special district get absorbed, that would lead to higher taxes. DeSantis is raising taxes on Floridians by going to war with their number one employer. No one wants to take on that kind of debt, Linda Stewart said, a Democrat in Florida's 13th district. None of this makes any sense. They just bit off way more than they can chew trying to get the Reedy Creek district dissolved. This is a major, major issue. I don't think it will be, in the end, very successful. Taxpayers would also be on the hook for any municipal improvements that Disney currently pays for, including road work. Disney used to pay for all that shit. So the governor, again, raising taxes on its constituents by attacking the largest employer. Now, my friend Real Horse on Twitter, he had a great idea. He said Disney could tank DeSantis, tank him, by saying they're now considering moving out of Florida. And we have to delay our decision. We need a year to make that decision. We will announce next year whether we are leaving Florida, but we are looking at leaving Florida. Now, a lot of people responded to him. You're stupid. Disney will never leave Florida. That's not the point. You got to think like a Republican. Just announce you're considering it. Like just announcing an investigation. Remember how Donald said you can have your military aid, Zelensky? You just have to announce that you're investigating the Bidens. You don't actually have to investigate. You don't have to indict anybody. Hey, Department of Justice, just in, just say you're investigating voter fraud in the 2020 election. There doesn't have to be any. Just say you're investigating it. Just announce it. Disney should just announce they're considering leaving Florida. Tank that guy. And finally, today, conservative activist Stephen Hotz, or Hotze, on Wednesday, was indicted on two felony charges related to his involvement in an air conditioning repairman being held at gunpoint in 2020 during a bizarre search for fraudulent mail ballots that did not exist. Hotze, who's 71, was indicted by Harris County, a Harris County grand jury, right, and faces one count of unlawful restraint and one count of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Court filings in the case were not available. Harris County District Attorney Kim Ogg declined to comment. The charges stem from Hotze's hiring of more than a dozen private investigators to look for voter fraud in Harris County. One of those investigators, former Houston Police Captain Mark Aguirre, was arrested in December 2020 and charged with aggravated assault. Prosecutors say Aguirre used his vehicle to run the air conditioning repairman off the road before dawn on October 19, 2020. 
So this isn't even the guy who ran the dude, the air conditioning repairman off the road. This is the guy who hired him. He's been charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and uh, unlawful restraint. So Aguirre, who actually ran the air conditioning guy off the road, held him at gunpoint and ordered an associate to search his truck. And when a Houston police officer happened upon the scene and stopped to investigate, Aguirre said the truck contained 750,000 fraudulent mail-in ballots prepared by Democrats. The truck contained only air conditioning parts and equipment. Jose's investigators have not produced any credible evidence to support allegations that Democrats orchestrated a wide-ranging mail ballot scheme in Harris County. Pollan says the charges against Hotze are outrageous. His client had no knowledge of the roadside incident until he read media reports of Aguirre's arrest. He said Aguirre asked Hotze for funds to investigate alleged election fraud, and Hotze agreed, and that was the extent of the involvement in Aguirre's affairs. Sorry, smart dude. It's not how the law works. Quote, all I know is Hotze didn't aid or abet this in any way. He fucking paid for it. The donation of funds was for righteous activity of rooting out ballot fraud. Uh-huh. Sure. I think if he were innocent, he wouldn't have been indicted. But you know what? We'll see. Up to a jury. Can't wait. All right. We'll be right back with the good news. Everybody uh, stick around. <laughs> I think you're going to love it today. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Today's Beans is sponsored by Helix Sleep. Sleep is critical. You know that. It's so important to your physical and mental well-being. Depriving ourselves of adequate sleep can significantly impact your quality of life. I used to suffer from insomnia. I couldn't stay asleep. I couldn't fall asleep. When I did fall asleep, I wouldn't stay asleep for very long. I would toss and turn. I thought it was anxiety, but as it turns out, I was sleeping on a mattress made for somebody else. And that's when Helix came to the rescue. I took their online sleep quiz at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and discovered the best night's sleep of my life. They matched me with the Helix Midnight because I am a side sleeper and I like a medium firm mattress. And that is the perfect mattress for me. And they have all kinds of mattresses, soft, medium, firm, body temperature regulating, uh, Helix Plus for plus size sleepers. And the Helix, their online sleep quiz only takes a couple of minutes to complete and they will match you with a perfect mattress to give you the best night's sleep of your life. As you know, they have 12,000 five-star reviews, over 12,000. Number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. 2019 also, they did 2019 and 2020. Leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine recommend Helix for sleep issues. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights with no risk. They'll pick it up and give you a full refund if you don't like it. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. And today's show is also brought to you by, oh my God, like I, I get like a little growly belly just thinking about Splendid Spoon. This is my new favorite thing because you know how busy I am. I barely have time to eat. I don't have time to cook. I don't have time to prep. And you have to constantly shop and plan and prep and cook meals can be pretty time consuming. So why not get right to the good part with a meal that requires no prep at all that's delicious and amazing and nutritious. Splendid Spoon delivers plant-based meals and snacks right to your door, ready to eat meals designed to fit your busy lifestyle instead of taking time away from your busy lifestyle, which I love. And at Splendid Spoon, eating healthy is hassle-free. They make it clean, it's delicious, and it's got real ingredients and spices. All meals are 100% plant-based, uh, 100% gluten-free, and 100% GMO-free. They've got over 50 choices with a constantly rotating menu of smoothies, grain bowls, soup bowls, noodles, noodle bowls. Oh my God, they're so good. Send nudes and uh, noodles. 
Plant-based foods can improve energy, your sleep, your digestion, your gut health, your complexion. It's just, it's amazing. It saves me so much time. I don't have to cook. I don't have to prep. It makes my routine so much easier. I love Splendid Spoon. Right now, I'm obsessed with their coffee frappe smoothie. It is so delicious. So try Splendid Spoon today and take meal planning off your plate. Just go to SplendidSpoon.com slash Daily Beans for $50 off your first box when you subscribe to the Breakfast, Lunch, and Reset Plan or the Breakfast, Lunch, Dinner, and Reset Plan. That is SplendidSpoon.com slash Daily Beans for $50 off. You'll be glad you did. All right, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're And today's good news comes from an episode called Pumpkinhead, which aired a year ago. Please enjoy. And Dana and I will be back with you Monday morning. If you have any good news you want to submit, please do. You can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And if you submitted good news when I've been doing these little reruns this week while Dana's been out, we're going to get to all of it. Trust me. So don't worry. And uh, I hope you enjoy this little gem. I just wanted to say, before we get into the good news, Dana, uh, you just heard my discussion, my uh, call with uh, Robert Denault. We had discussed something a little bit off the record, but then it became on the record since I talked to him. Uh, And so basically, that's a story coming out of the Orlando Sentinel. Joel Greenberg resigned this week, a Seminole County tax collector, uh, and has withdrawn as a Republican candidate for, for that seat. He will not seek a second term. Also gone from the race is a guy named Daniel Day, who wanted his name to appear on the ballot as Danny, D-A-N-I, Mora, M-O-R-A, Day. He entered the race on June 11th as an NPA, non-party affiliated candidate, ensuring he would appear on the November ballot along with Democrat Lynn Mora Dichter. Interesting. (laughs) And the winner of the Republican primary in August. Dichter accused Day, who has political ties to Greenberg, of using a fake name similar to her own in an effort to confuse voters. Gosh, this sounds so familiar to me. Where have we heard this before? Mm, Florida? (laughs) Uh, Now, Greenberg and Day worked together in 2017 as part of a group of Citizens for Effective Government in an effort to place a referendum on ballot on a ballot asking voters if Seminole should have a countywide elected mayor similar to Orange County. Uh, But the effort fizzled after failing to collect enough signatures. So. The, the the thing here, though, I mean, she even said Daniel Day was running under false pretenses of pretending to be me. Mm-hmm. That's what Dick, that's what Dichter said, who goes by the name Mora. Mm-hmm. But Day claimed his candidate qualifying documents that Mora is a nickname he often uses. They're just sketchy as fuck. They're all that, that whole story is so crazy. It just gets getting nuttier. Yeah. Oh, my God. And Danny, Danny is a woman, a woman's name right. short for Danielle. Yeah, they know what they're doing. And then uh, Greenberger Day couldn't be reached for comment. But Shocking. this is uh, Greenberg attached to Gates, um, attached to the elbow doctor, the hand surgeon guy. Uh, you know, it's like how many and now there there are also um, in investigating whether or not Gates was involved in another sham candidate that was run in a different race. My goodness. And if you know. This could be part of a bigger investigation. We'll see. Um, but interesting from interesting coming from uh, Robert Denault, who's been working on this very diligently. Now, we have good news. I'm sorry to start us off with that weird ass news, but 
Uh, I don't even know what to qualify it as. But next, uh, well, I should say first, from Jim, pronouns he and him. Jim writes, hello, Allison, Dana, and Amy. I've been listening since the very beginning. When MSW came to Minneapolis, I was fortunate enough to meet those hosts and meet at the meet and greet before the show. So much fun. I've enjoyed the evolution of your podcast. I'm so happy to see the success you've enjoyed. Now, to share a misheard song lyric. Until very recently, I thought of Stevie Nicks was singing, uh, would sang of a one-winged dove <laughs> in the edge of 17. Correct lyric, just like a white-winged dove sings a song, sounds like she's singing, ooh, ooh. He thought one-winged dove, which would just be flying in circles. I'm not sure that I didn't. I'm now trying to decide what I thought that was up until I've heard this confession. Uh, now, yeah, it's like, what was I? Just like a one-winged dove sings a song, sounds like ooh, uh, a teenage boy, when the song came out, I was curious how this one-winged dove would be handled in the video version on MTV. <laughs> <laughs> would they really have a one-winged bird flapping aimlessly or possibly flying in circles? Oh it seemed God. kind of freakish and unsettling to think about. When the video did come out, I got swiftly past uh, the inconsistency of the dove having both of its wings when I saw how hot Stevie Nicks was. <laughs> My teenage brain quickly short-circuited its need for logic and order, and for the next 40 years, I simple-mindedly sang along about the one-winged dove, never, ge- never giving it any further thought. Even though I've now seen the lyrics in print, it takes conscious effort to hear and sing white-winged dove. <laughs> that is so funny. I love that misheard lyric. And, you know, I may be guilty of the same thing. Who knows? Ah, more good news. This is from Jason, pronounced she and her. Beans Queens. I never write into shows, but I enjoy this segment too much not to contribute. Good news. My wife and I both have our second Pfizer shots tomorrow. We realized too late with a four-year-old and 18-month-old at home, we are, uh, wow, we are fucked. Should both of us have a rough time the day after? Wish us luck. Uh, Pod text. Well, either that or you'll just find out how resilient your children are. Everything's fine. Uh, Pod text. Pod text attaches our dog, Stella. We got her from a local no-kill shelter about 10 years ago. She was six months old, 25 pounds, and terrified when she was found in a Kmart parking lot. Oh, fuck, the picture just came up, AG. I know. Oh, my God, a Kmart parking lot. We were filling out an application for another dog when the staff brought her in. She immediately sat in my wife's lap and rested her head on her shoulder, and it was over. The The shelter said she was a lab mix, but we later saw she nearly identical to the stock image of an American pit bull terrier. She's now a happy 50-pound lap dog, and all she has to fear are ringtones and farts. She seriously hides and starts shaking. People still ask if she's a puppy. She is absolutely adorable. I know. Look at the second one. Look at the smush face. The smush face. Oh, she's just beautiful. She really is. Oh, what a honey. Congratulations on your second shots. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful news. All right, next up from Liz, pronouns she, her. Hello, ladies, and thanks for all you do. While these aren't lyrics, I have a quick misheard common phrase to contribute. Growing up, I always heard for all intents and purposes as for all intensive purposes. To this day, both of these still feel interchangeable and correct in my mind. Thoughts? No, it is. (laughs) It's not interchangeable, but I I guarantee there are several people that a lot of their lives have said for all intensive purposes. Very common misheard axiom. Uh, My sister, number two, my sister recently heard her husband on the phone with a client who he was trying to explain something to. And rather than saying with all due respect, he kept saying with all disrespect. And no, he didn't realize his error when my sister struggled nearby to contain her laughter. (laughs) There's nothing funnier 
uh, then when the thing you're saying is the act, like polar opposite of what you're trying to say. We don't know if the person on the other end of the line ever registered the mistake, but it sure makes me smile whenever I think about it. Oh my God. For pet, for pet tax, I've included a goofy photo of my Basset Hound, Cosette. Oh my God, Cosette <gasps> is really, really cute. Look at the ears. Hi. Th- the ears, unbelievable. Smiling. Oh my goodness. I love that. With all disrespect. With all disrespect, sir. I think some people deserve that, actually. Yeah, yeah. they do. Mm-hmm. But not not in this scenario, but that's hilarious. Yeah. All right, this next one's from Judy, pronouns she and her. My grandson just turned three. In the first year of his life, I could not get around because after 33 years in school and being overweight, one of my hips had almost completely disintegrated. Goodness. And the other was not too good either. After two hip replacements and physical therapy, I was able to visit more often during the second year. Then my husband has his, excuse me, had his hip replacement surgery, and I stayed home with him as his nurse, chauffeur, cook, general assistant. Now, at one point in a pain pill haze, he asked me why I didn't tell him it hurt so bad. Uh, <laughs> he was a bit grumpy during his recovery. Now, that meant my sweet pea and I saw each other on video chats for several months. If there is one thing an 18-month-old loves to do, it isn't video chatting, that's for sure. (laughs) Then, right before his second birthday, COVID-19 made his debut. In all our times talking, I would call him Sweet Pea and tell him that when I call you Sweet Pea, it means I love you. He would nod and we would move on to other topics of importance. Well, I've had my two vaccine shots and given them two weeks to ripen. And I got to see my grandson this week. We've painted, glued, danced, sung, played instruments, read books, and watched his starlight hippo project light onto the ceiling at nap time. He told me he could see a lion on the ceiling and a cow. Then he told me he saw a sweet pea up near the light. And sweet pea means, I love you. (sighs) While he was napping, I ordered a a, a bazillion, a Brazilian, awkward, let me redo that one. (laughs) I'm leaving it. Uh, right. While he was napping, I ordered a Brazilian. Um, while he was napping, I ordered a bazillion sweet pea seeds for us to plant. I love that you leave mine in. That's bullshit. All right. I ordered a bazillion sweet pea seeds for us to plant at his home in the city and my home in the country. Oh. And that's the good news. Sweet pea means I love you. I have called my niece sweet pea oh. since she was born because I won't put her name on social media. So she's my sweet pea too. And I love that you're going to plant them at his home and in your home. He is a beautiful child. Oh. My goodness. He's so adorable. Is that a, is that a, a toy story hat? It is sure looks a, like a Woody hat. Woody hat. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Ah, next up from Jay McSpadden, pronouns she and her. Hello, ladies of the beans. I heard your new game today, Share the Swear, and I had to share this one because it's become an almost daily swear in my life. Before I scream it, or rather, shouty cap it to you, I have to tell you where it came from and why I love using this swear so much. I am an independent self-published author, and I find the more I read, the better I write. Amazing concept, right? A huge idol of mine is Diana Gabaldon. Mm -hmm. I I don't think I've read her. Oh, author of The Outlander. Okay. The Outlander series. Now I know who that is. Okay. A lot of my writing, schooling, so to speak, comes from my favorite authors. With this in mind, I remember the moment I was first reading Outlander and I heard Claire uh, Beechamp. I don't watch, but uh, say in front of a group of Scotsmen, Jesus H. Roosevelt Christ. And my mouth flopped open and I started to cry because it's exactly what my grandpa used to say. Here I was listening to my audiobook at work, surrounded by my coworkers, and I start crying because of a swear in a book. My coworker looked at me and asked if I was okay, and I smiled and said, Jesus H. Roosevelt Christ, I'm fine. (laughs) Now, perhaps I shouldn't have said it like that, but 
Uh, to me, it was hilarious and filled me with the most ridiculous amount of joy. To this day, I say the swear on the regular, partially to honor my favorite book series. And secondly, because it was, always makes me feel that I'm much closer to my grandpa, even though he hasn't been with us for over 20 years. Miss you every day, grandpa. Tiny spot of good news. I'm in progress of publishing my second book, and I can't believe that I've been able to do this. If there was anything that I could thank COVID for, it's the time it's given me at home to work on my side projects. Being an independent author means a lot of writing um, around working full-time children and sleep when I can snag it. Oh my God. Yeah. Jesus, say Roosevelt Christ. I am almost there, she (laughs) says. For pet tax, I've added a picture of my dog, (gasps) the dude. I think it's more than obvious what kind of dog he is. Oh, look at the (gasps) pug. He abides. Look at the pug. Dude. Adorable, adorable, adorable. Oh, and there's a copy of your book, too. Nice. Great cover. Awesome. Jay McFadden. Great cover. Oh, very proud, Standy. Yes. Very cute. All right. Now, this is from Anonymous, pronoun she and her. I have a misheard lyric in memory of DMX. My most embarrassing moment was when I was at the club with friends and they asked me to join the DJ for a good dance song. I went up to the DJ booth and asked him to play Pumpkinhead. He had absolutely no clue to what I was talking about, so I sang it for him in my best DMX voice. Y'all gonna make me lose my mind, pumpkin head, pumpkin head. <laughs> he laughed and laughed and laughed, and before announcing it to the whole club as I was walking out of the DJ booth. Now, my friends never let me live that down, and it's now, it's one of my favorite stories I have when it comes to misheard lyrics. Thanks for helping me not lose my mind. Up in here, up in up here. In here. <laughs> Pumpkin head. Y'all gonna make me act a fool up in here. <laughs> that pumpkin head is what that's exactly what happened. That Hello, Mr. DJ. Can you play pumpkin head? Oh my god. <laughs> I love it, I love it. And we have an episode title. Done. All right. Well, thank you everyone for for listening. Thank you for letting me have that day off. It was really nice. Um Absolutely. I had a very, very good weekend, wonderful weekend. I did work a little, but I promise not a lot. Good. And um, I have a tiny, I have a tiny bit of good news today. It's not really tiny. Today's my birthday. So if you're listening to this on Monday, April 12th, today is my birthday. If you want to buy me a drink, Venmo, that's the world we live in, isn't it? Except if it's a $900 Venmo, I'm going to report you. Anything else is completely <laughs> acceptable. <laughs> yes. Everyone send Dana um, $5 and put in the line for tuition. Yeah. Just put for tuition. <laughs> cool seriously i'm not i'm not too proud it's been a tough year dg comedy do it we can have a virtual <laughs> drink oh. wonderful happy 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 birthday thank you darling thank you yeah it's um it's actually obviously we're recording this on sunday so monday you'll get to hear it again but you're all listening to this on monday <laughs> so thanks for letting me do the little shout out such an interesting pandemic birthdays are so interesting yeah and so are pre-recorded ones yes i'm like today's my birthday no it's not <laughs> I'm like, don't make me look like a jerk for not saying something at the top of the show. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's funny. We'll do it again on Monday. We will. We will. All right, everybody. Until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And it's your birthday. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.